Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Race and Faith Cyphers podcast. I'm Jason Esters. And I'm Richard Smith. Now, in hip-hop culture, a cypher is a group of rappers who take turns rapping, usually to the same music. It's informal, it's free-flowing, and in a similar fashion, these cyphers are free-flowing and ongoing conversations about issues surrounding race, faith, social justice, family, and culture. Obviously, we're not rappers, but we are two Black men who are homeschool fathers, academics, husbands, and men of faith who decided to discuss issues that impact Black families. Thank you again for joining us. Let's enter the cypher. On most years, many of us will be traveling, many of us will be gathering with our, preparing to gather with our families. Um, we'd also be preparing for the rush of the holiday season. We'd be thinking about things like gifts and thinking about things like um, how to celebrate our you know, usual holidays, the again of not just Thanksgiving, but also the Christmas rush and Hanukkah for those who celebrate it and Kwanzaa for those who celebrate it. And what else am I forgetting? It seems like there are just so many holidays during around this time. But this is an unprecedented year. It's a year when many of us have our holiday, our normal holiday routines disrupted. And we just want to take a moment just to sit and think about well, what does it mean in this moment for us to have a holiday season? I mean, are we, um, now that we're somewhat inclined to be at home and we're not going to be doing the things that we usually do, um, how should we think about this moment differently? How should we um, consider this time and place that we're in in light of the holiday in light of the holiday season. What does it mean for us as families? What does it mean for us as individuals? Also, what does it mean for us in our interactions with other people? Mm, that's good. Because one thing about the holiday season, and this is true in a lot of ways, a lot of the things that, one of the things about the holiday season is that it is generative. You know, we use the holiday season as a place to recuperate. Mm -hmm. We use it as a time to slow down and think about our loved ones, those who we haven't thought about in a while. Our economy uses it as a place to move from the red to the black. You know, so this is a season where in a lot of ways we try to um, recenter ourselves on the things that we, and I'm using that in quotes, think is important. But now things are a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what do we do? So for this episode, we just want to talk a little bit about what does it mean in this season to be home for the holidays? What does it mean to think about holidays a little bit different? And is there anything we can do to not just get through the holidays, but to use this season to move ourselves forward? So it is definitely a time of reimagining. I mean, as you just stated, this is a time of really thinking through how we have done Christmas, how we've done Thanksgiving, to look at it in different ways. And, you know, I was, I was, as you were sharing this um, kind of introduction to get us thinking about it, I was just thinking about the fact that our, everything that we usually do has changed drastically. Yeah. Um, in fact, we used to come to your state for the holidays and uh, Thanksgiving. We used to come out and stay for a few days and the state is shut down. Like we can't even come there and, and, you know, be there with family. And we have to really reconsider how we celebrate. Um, but I think, and I would just offer this as a, a suggestion. I think this is a time for us to take time to think through the true meanings of these holidays mm. you know the true meaning of thanksgiving the true meaning of christmas because it's quite likely that you know with some of us that those true meanings were lost i mean we generally have an idea and still know and kind of give um give reference to these things but to really take time to say okay look let's dig deeper and find out more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's crazy. When you said, yeah, Pennsylvania is shut down, I was like, man, you don't know the half of it. I just saw a news report this morning. 
that said PA was banning alcohol. I was like, what? <laughs> you about to start a war over here. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I was like, what's happening? And that was right before we jumped on, man. So I was like, I got to investigate this. I got to see exactly what this means. Wow. You know? Oh, now, I'm not that I'm not that big I'm not that big of a drinker, but I live close to a state store. So every time, you know, <laughs> the lines have been crazy during oh, the man. pandemic, and they're always crazy during the holiday time. So yeah. I'm like, okay, what are people gonna do if they can't get that drink? Yeah, that. Oh, oh no, but that's part of, that's part of that that's part of the celebratory nature of holidays, though. Yeah. You know, even yeah. if you aren't a regular, even if you aren't a regular drinker, and definitely not if you're a lush, but still people drink during the holidays. So even what we would consider to be kind of like the smaller things that go in it, in and up, you know, that go with a lot of the ceremony that we place in the holidays are being affected. But no holiday, even though some might live it that way, no holiday is explicitly about, you know, drinking, right? It's about, it's, it's kind of repurposed, rethinking about, hey, well, what, what, what are we celebrating? Yes. Yeah. What are we celebrating? Mm-hmm. You know, as a family, um, you know, most of the time during Thanksgiving, we would we would be home anyway, but our house was a gathering house. Like our house would be a place where a lot of people would come and, and hang out for Thanksgiving. And one of the things that I see about our family is that, you know, we're really missing people. We're really missing the, um, uh, how can I say it? The expectation of you know preparing for other people and gathering for other people and and seeing um, who knew they might bring in you know because not always the same cast of characters there's like a a, a, a a central group but usually that central group will bring in at least one or two other people mm-hmm. and and so we're missing out we're missing out on part of that experience but just to speak to what you meant about reimagining um, sometimes reimagining means thinking about something new, but sometimes reimagining is going back and thinking, thinking back on the things that we already did and then bringing new insights and new significance, new perspective on that. Cause you know what I just learned? Like I just learned that my mother's family never celebrated Thanksgiving. Like I never celebrated Thanksgiving as a kid. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that. Last Thanksgiving, we actually had the pleasure of not doing Thanksgiving at our house. We actually drove to Mississippi to have Thanksgiving with my family for the first time. It was a beautiful trip. <clears throat> it was wonderful. We stopped by Florida and went to beach <laughs> before we got to Mississippi. It was great. It was great. But um, I was talking to my mother on the phone just a few weeks ago and she was saying, you know, I'm glad you guys came last year. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm glad we did too. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, I'm not finna do nothing for Thanksgiving. I was like, wait a minute. <clears throat> We used to always do something for Thanksgiving. And she said, no, Thanksgiving, yeah, we used to cook and our family would get together. But she said, for me, Thanksgiving is just a regular day. Mm. She said, Thanksgiving was just a regular day. And then I started thinking back on it. I was like, hey, for our family, you know, and this is generally my mother's people. When we, when we got together, we would get together every year, but it was always called a family gathering. They never said Thanksgiving. I didn't realize that until she had said that. She was like, look, when we were children, and she was she grew up in a house of nine. She said, when we were children, Thanksgiving was special because your granddaddy had off of work. Mm-hmm. That's why, because <laughs> it was such a rare occasion. That's why we would get together and we would cook. But other than that, it was a it was a normal day. And I say all that to say, you know, this moment has made me rethink what's important about the day. You know, some people will uh, not necessarily miss the mark or miss the moment, but they are already in um, on the trajectory to cancel Thanksgiving since it seems like it's canceled because of the um, uh, cultural and historical context of that has been ascribed to the holiday with thanks with pilgrims and and um quote unquote indians and the first feast and all that kind of stuff but if lots of us are honest 
that ain't why we would get together. None of us would have Thanksgiving turkey plays mm-hmm. of first feasts when we, right. we got together. That really isn't the context for most black people that I know. And most people that I know um, other, than, other than black folk either. I mean, that's not really the context in which we would get together during this time. Again, it was rest. Mm-hmm. was gathering it was gathering with family and so I do think it's important for us to um, reconsider why we do it in the first place yeah if we do it if we do it at all yeah I mean my mother dropped that dime on me she was like we ain't celebrate I was like yes <laughs> <laughs> it was it, and and just thinking about and just thinking about how um we have the power we have the ability to change the cultural significance of a thing. The activity may be the same, but yet the significance shifts dramatically. Exactly. And then if you change the purpose and the significance, then the activity in and of itself will change also over time. So if there is, if you don't have an answer for what to do this Thanksgiving holiday, don't sweat, it'll be all right. It's gonna be a day. And then after that day will come a next day, you know, God willing and the creek don't rise. But the question is, what was important about it? What do I want to be? It, what do I want to be? It, what do I want about it to be important in the future? Yeah. And can I start building a new legacy, a new tradition based on that um, um, new idea that I want to fashion it around? Yeah, that's perfect. That's a that's the excellent excellent question, um, an excellent focus. Because as you were talking, I was just thinking about Thanksgiving and what it meant to me growing up. Mm-hmm. And to be upfront, it wasn't about giving thanks. It wasn't about pilgrims. It was about, oh man, I hope I get some of that macaroni and cheese. And right. Kali, I mean, it was literally all about the food um, and the family, right? So getting together with family, the time that, you know, to see cousins that I haven't seen like a year or whatever, um, you know, that was the focus. That was the focus. But it was largely around, ga- you know, gathering around food. That's what it was about, gathering around food. When I became a vegan, that totally changed for me. <laughs> because yeah, no one's trying to cook. No one's trying to take the no one's <laughs> trying to take the pork out of the greens, right? <laughs> no one's trying to make it okay, well, let's have a vegan. No one's trying to do that. So <laughs> yo, that's what I'm not gonna lie, man. That's what that's what no meat meant. What no meat meant was they put turkey in the greens instead of pork. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I don't have no meat in it. And actually, that's what's happened. That, that's, that's exactly what happened the first time. They were like, "Oh yeah, this doesn't have any meat." I was like, "There's turkey in it. <laughs> that's, that's me. <laughs> like, this is healthy." I was like, yeah, "Not for me." <laughs> but it's it's interesting because at that moment, I share that because at that moment, I realized I had to rethink about rethink um, the way. I celebrate Thanksgiving Mm. Uh, and it became largely about family. It became largely about giving thanks. So gathering, I watch them eat. I'll bring my food, right? Right, 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 right. (laughs) Watch them eating their food and and all that. Talk about how great it is, but it's just being in that, that environment. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of us, this is a new, this is a huge shift. That was a huge shift for me personally, Mm -hmm. but then you know, if you take away the environment, you know, what's left, right? What's, what's, yeah. What can we continue? What can we uh, keep in place? And one of the things that I was thinking about when it comes to Thanksgiving uh, and starting, as you mentioned, starting new ways, new, new traditions, is to focus on giving thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, taking time out, especially as families and, um, you know, as Black men, as, as you know, the head of our families to just lead our families and just thinking through what all we could be thankful for throughout mm-hmm. the year. Mm-hmm. 2020 was a difficult year. Yeah. Extremely. Um, I saw a, a meme that gave 2020 one star. Um, <laughs> no, it's like, <laughs> like, not that good. I wouldn't go back. Something like that is said underneath. Um, but for many people, this was a disastrous year. You know, um, but to really take this time you s- and say, hold on, this is Thanksgiving, even though we can't connect with our families, we can't do the things that we might 
um, do the rejuvenize ourselves, but maybe we can take time as a local family mm-hmm. to talk about what are some things we can be thankful for throughout mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Maybe for some of us, you know, maybe it was that we didn't get COVID or maybe we overcame it as a family if it did hit our family. Maybe it's um, for, for others, it could be the fact that God kept us through it all. Right. You know, it could be just something as basic as simple, even though it's, a, it's major, as just having breath in our bodies, mm. just being able to get up to see a new day. Mm. And to use this day as a way to say, okay, as a family, we're going to start a new tradition. We're going to start a tradition of each of us talking about why we can give thanks in the midst of all the difficulties that happened throughout this year. Yeah. So that's yeah. just one suggestion. I know this. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I love it because I think it, I think it does two things. Number one, it, we use the word thanks mm-hmm. a lot, right? Because it's Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? And because it has so much, because there's already an idea attached to it, I'm going to get away from it for a moment, right? Because what you're expressing is um, um, gratitude, right? You know, it, it, it's, it's a good place to express gratitude in this, in this moment right for for what we do for what we do have so i'm loving what you're i'm loving what you're saying um we need to take this moment to um even with our families to uh um express gratitude for one another and for what we actually have but the other thing that i really like about it is it actually gives something practical for us to do as families because we can't be with one another yeah because we're not it's not going to be the one time of the year where we see you know cousin x or, you know, Auntie Y. So it's good for us to have something that we can actually do. Because that's what I was going to ask you. You know, what are some things as families that we can do now in this moment where we can keep some of those connections, mm-hmm. um, even though we can't be with one another physically? And I think that's a good one. I think that's a good one. You know, finding ways to express, you know, gratitude, you know, towards one another. Mm-hmm. And you could also extend that. I was... Um, this came to mind earlier um, as I was meditating on, um, you know, Thanksgiving, that we can even extend, even though we're not physically close. I mean, all of us now, for the most part, have become accustomed to Zoom, mm-hmm. Microsoft Teams, mm-hmm. Marco Polo, or something, right? <laughs> it, it could be, you know, it doesn't even have to take long. Like, just connect with extended family members beforehand, say, hey, we're going to connect and just talk about one thing we're thankful for you know, in this time period, or we could do the Marco Polo thing. Everybody get on and, you know, between the hour of seven to eight, just post, you know, what you're thankful for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just little things like that. It's not the same, obviously, but just little ways of having those opportunities just to talk about those things that we're thankful for uh, in the midst of it all. Yeah. My um, sister is trying to set up a, a watch party. Mm. And since she's the only one with a Disney Plus account, she's going to set up a, a, a watch party and we're going to watch something on Disney Plus. I'm all excited. I'm like, ooh, Disney Plus. <laughs> Kid, kids excited. Everybody got choices. I'm like, yo, your auntie's going to choose this one, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. <laughs> now, Did she but, say what, um, what movie or what She did. So... I mean, that, but that's part of the fun, right? The argument that's going to ensue over this movie. They that's probably right. won't get watched because they'll spend that two hours arguing over what we should watch. Yep. And that's, <laughs> and that's cool, too. And that's yeah, cool, exactly, too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. Great idea. <laughs> but I think, this is a, I think this is a healthy lens of thinking about what, what, what things we could um, um, possibly do. So here's another thing I wanted to ask you. Like, um, you talked about well, when you went vegan, how, how challenging it was to, you know, uh, how it challenged your notion of Thanksgiving as a moment that really centers around the food. And then when the food is taken away, having to pivot and uh, reconceptualize what it's about for you. Yeah. Um, what are some other ways that uh, the holiday season, not just Thanksgiving, it's the entire season, right? Because we're entering into this period where all the holidays come come back to back and what we're experiencing now is what we're going to be experiencing for the next for the next month or so 
mm-hmm. right? For the next month and a half or so. So what are some other ways that just this, this moment, this moment of, of, of holiday, you know, um, either challenges some preconceived notions or resist some of the things, some of the ways that you've thought about the holiday season before. Yeah, and, and then we can think about, okay, so what should be our response to some of those challenges too? Yeah, yeah. So when you think about this holiday season, one thing we know that it's gonna be a very different holiday season from any time before, right? right. I mean, this, um, I'm actually working on uh, a series. I haven't decided what I'm gonna call it yet, but um, I'm, I'm thinking about calling it this Christmas. Mm. It's going to be just a different season, you know, (laughs) no matter how we um, try to do some of the same things, it's it's really different. Mm. None of us have experienced living through a pandemic. None of us have experienced a pandemic with um, a lot of the racial injustice that we've seen throughout the year combined, Mm -hmm. then the economics of that and all that. So it's going to be a different season. So when we think about this holiday season, uh, I'm really hoping um, for those of you that are listening, but also, you know, in general, just for people in general to, to think about the, uh, the capitalistic nature of this season, how it's been, yeah. the focus on consumerism, yeah, and how maybe we can shift that uh, this season, mm-hmm. um, the f- focus on going out instead of staying in as a time of contemplation, as a time of reflection, as a time of really cherishing um, those who are closest to us. Um, really taking this moment and seeing what are some different different ways that we can celebrate this season. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I'm hoping to do, we'll see. I'm ne- I've never been big on decorations. I, I just mm-hmm. haven't. It's just growing up, um, with with my mother mostly, you know, we didn't really have much. So um, there would be Christmas where we didn't have gifts or no, you know, wasn't even a tree or my mom had a plant so she might throw a light on it, right? So, <laughs> and that would be the tree. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, growing up like that, I was always thankful for, you know, whatever we had, but we didn't have much. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of lingered on. So during Christmas time, you know, I might put up a wreath and throw up a tree because the children want to, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, ooh, let's throw up the tree, you right. know? <laughs> and sometimes, you know, there's a whole theological thing background to that and all, and, you know, uh, that, that people say you shouldn't put up a tree and all that, and I get it. Um, but I, I really feel that this season that is pushing me to say, hey, maybe we'll do more as a family. Maybe we will do more decoration just as a family and not necessarily because we're just trying to keep up with what everyone else is doing, but it's an opportunity to gather to get together as a family. And yeah, do- family, family activity. Yo, I, I, I'm, totally, I'm totally with you. You talk about the decorations. I'm like, man, yo, yeah. I, I, I have to put them, I'm going to put them up early. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, growing up in our house, like my mother was, she was the decoration person. Like the same decorations that she would put up when I was five years old are the same decorations that she still has in boxes that she pulls out every single year to decorate for Christmas. Oh, wow, you know, they, they're, they do, I, I got light bulbs older than me <laughs> in my parents' house. You know what I'm saying? So she was, she was that person. But when we um, had a family of our own, I was like, okay decorations is something that we can do but i i don't i don't like going all out with it mm-hmm. i like just focusing on a couple of things that are just here and there but my wife has a request of me that i never fulfill every single year she says she asks me to put up the christmas tree on thanksgiving or you know on either that friday or that saturday right after thanksgiving she wants the christmas tree up because that's something that she had grown up with or that's something that she had always wanted and me being the lazy crab louse that I am, I don't wait to get the tree until like three or four days before Christmas. Because I'm like, I'm waiting for them to go on sale, homie. I hear that. <laughs> you know, but, but this is going to be the year where I'm actually going to put it up earlier so that we can build some, build some of that kind of positive energy around putting it up. Yeah. 
and also, you know, outside of the, um, um, you know, the pagan traditions of the tree and the, the pseudo um, crystallic rep, um, in, um, significance that we give to it, the tree for us is just remembering that the season is different yeah. for us, right? Yo, this is a different time. We need to move a little bit different. We need to operate a little bit different. Right. And in connection with the notion of, 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 of um, gratitude and thanksgiving, it's also that notion of graciousness, mm. right? Because it's things that we're going to give to other people. And what does our giving look like outside of what you were saying before, that consumer, that consumer nature, mm. you know? Because I think one thing that people need right now is kindness. Mm. Our life-breathing and life-giving words to one another are expressions of love and, and care mm. and concern. If we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. And we need him, we need him in our words. We need him in our words. I think this is the moment, I think this is a time where um, like cards, like Christmas cards, Christmas letters, Christmas emails, just words of, you know, graciousness and gratitude will go so much further during this season, especially for those of us who, uh, those of us who are always the ones that show up to the gathering and leave alone, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I think that in this moment, just thinking about the span of the holiday, um, we need to start earlier and go longer with the core values of the season. Like I'm, I'm thinking, and it's not just, not just Christmas. Like we need to start Kwanzaa now. Mm -hmm. <gasps> yeah. You know, cause a lot of us, you know, we need all of that. Mm -hmm. We need all of that Kwanzaa energy right now. Yes. You know, so true. So true. we need to be, you know, Yamoja, unity. We need to be Kujiyakalia, you know, self-determination. We need that. We need to start thinking more deeply about collective work and responsibility, Yamoja. We need to, you know, um, 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 uh, invest in ourselves with cooperative economics. Yes. Pijama. We need some Neo right now, that purpose. Mm -hmm. We need that creativity, that Kumba, you know? Love it, yes. Faith, yes, and money. We need it right now. Mm -hmm. Why wait? Why wait to the twenty sixth? Yeah, yeah, that's right. To light candles in those individual days. We need Black History Year needs to include months of Kwanzaa. You're right about that. <laughs> right. So true. Wow. You might be starting something new, bro. <laughs> no, nah, man. We're just you know, going back and reimagining the old, right? Yeah, doing yeah. It like it should, doing it should yeah. be done. Because the one thing yeah. about Kwan's, the one thing about Kwan's are where it's placed. And I know this was not Karinga's in intention when, when, when he kind of orchestrated it, but it's been packaged mm. for a convenient, for a convenient moment in time, mm -hmm. not delivered to give us extended purpose. And I think that's, I think that's something that we can take. That's something that we can take back. Yes. You know, so, you know, just ex ex extending, extending the love, extending the love as best we can. I think that's, I think that's one of the challenge. That's one of the challenges for, for me and for us as a family, you know, how can we, how can we extend the um, care and concern that we think is really important to give? to other people and make it real and make it real. Cause a lot of us give a lot of lip service to Christmas being a time of giving, but we don't really, we don't, we not, we, we don't give freely. Yes. And I'm preaching to the choir right now because even in my thinking around Christmas, sometimes it's not a spirit of giving freely. It's a spirit of giving with reciprocity in mind. Mm. Cause I'm like, I need to give these people gifts cause I know they're going to give us stuff. Yeah. So I want to be able to make that exchange, mm -hmm. right? That's right. But how can we build an over, um, how can we have a spirit of overflow that just kind of moves from us from what we have to, to other people? Yeah. 
like that. So you talk about the spirit of, of this reciprocity, like they're going to give to us, so we need to give to them. And that's so true, just, just having that. And I would just add, um, for me, to change even the giving because it, it – it does something more for me than it does for the person. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's almost like people, you know, having given out food to, to folks that are in need and they're so proud of themselves because they've done it and they feel good in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Yes, we can feel good. But when it's, when it's all about us, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes even in the giving that could be all about us. And mm-hmm. so for me is to give, to make sure that that person is fully blessed by the gift that they receive that they are that is all about them yeah not so much about me just yeah i'm so i'm giving to everyone i feel good about myself i'm such a giver Uh, and um to just use this opportunity to show the love of god to others Mm. show love of god others and i really i want to also jump back on your point about extending this time and, you know, I cannot agree with you more about extending this time. And I love that you brought in Kwanzaa um, and also the story about, you know, your wife, you and your wife and um, putting up the tree. And it made me reflect on something. My wife and I, we've been married for 20 years. And when she was growing up, um, her family, like her uncles and grandfather, they actually had like a tree selling, you know, Christmas tree selling business. They would do that every Christmas. It's part of their tradition. Oh, wow. So she was used to, you know, always having um, trees, you know, around her and having these fresh trees and and doing that for Christmas and putting Mm -hmm. up um, trees for Christmas until she got married to me. (laughs) 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 I was was like, not once in these 20 years, because I've been like, you know, I'm used to fake trees. Everything was fake unless it was just a little plant. I'm not dealing with trees. I've never went out and got a tree, right? So now that we're talking, I'm like, that's something, you know, that can be done, thinking about different ways and new ways, right? Just using this as an example, I'm gonna go out and get a real tree. It just surprise her. It just, you know, here's a, I don't know if it would look good. I don't know if it'd be the right one. But <laughs> I, hope she, I hope she don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I've had to get it today. <laughs> I have to get it right now, right after I finish. <laughs> going all out. I'm like, I'm just trying to talk about putting the fake tree out of the letting the air out a little bit. Get some outside smells. You trying to go all in. <laughs> I'm like, for 20 years. But but my point is, and what you're sharing as well, is extending this time, doing some different things, rethinking what we've done, and really giving. Yeah. You know, I think that would be a blessing to my wife. She hasn't had a real tree for 20 years. Right? And this is a, to me, it's like, whatever, real tree, whatever. But for her, that's, that would probably be a big thing. It's dope. Big thing. Um, and maybe, you know, and those of you who are listening in your families, you could think through what are some things that maybe, you know, your maybe a spouse wanted, a child had wanted, a family member, um, and you like, hold on, I've, I've never done this, but this year I'm going to do it. This is a different Christmas. I'm yeah. going to do this to yeah. be a blessing. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. You're right, though, man. It's the little things that matter. That's, that's beautiful. It's, beautiful. <laughs> the, the, it's the little, okay, people always say it's the little things that matter. It's the little things we remember that matter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's the things that are small to us, but are significant to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Easy for us to overlook, but they're always, um, they're always a running monologue in somebody else's mind. Yeah, exactly. You know, those are the those are the things that, as a husband, I oftentimes be like, "I right, whatever," and just keep on moving. Mm-hmm. But then when I catch it at the right time, and if I'm able to act on it, you know, it adds years to my marriage. Amen. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it builds a positive moment in my kids. Right. Right. Or maybe it puts a smile on somebody's face who's not even in my family. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember you said some. Such, I never remember you said such and such and such. Yo, so I thought about you and did such. Mm-hmm. Those things matter. Oh yes, they matter extremely. And that, and that kind of brings me to something else that I want to um, um, bring up. 
because we talk about Christmas and every Christmas, every single Christmas, um, we say as Christians, uh, we have to make sure we keep the Christ in Christmas. Mm. We say this every single year. Um, this year, we need to put the Christ in this season, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and to the point, like, we need to be some Matthew 25, 23 through 40 Christians mm. this year. You know, that's when, you know, we have the parable. I, I should pull it up so I don't mangle it as I'm thinking about it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it's the parable where um, he's giving a story about um, 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 what he's going to say when people, people come to him, right? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I feel like that's where we need to be right now. Yeah. We need to, we, if we're going to be about the business of putting Christ in this season, then we need to look around us and see who to serve. Because there are people around us that are hungry and need to eat and people around us who need to drink. And we need to be creative about what it means to invite strangers in. Because inviting strangers isn't necessarily inviting them to our home. Inviting a stranger in is taking somebody who's not like you and providing a space where they can be loved or they can feel warm or they can feel like they can interact and have a positive experience. You know, it's easier to invite the stranger into your home when somebody else brings the stranger. Yes. But we have people now, even who we would have considered them to be colleagues or, or even friends on a certain level, we have lots of people now who are estranged. And they need to be invited in. It's hard for people during this season because everybody's not safe in their own environment. Everybody doesn't feel food secure. Everybody doesn't feel job secure. Everybody doesn't, everybody doesn't feel safe in the homes that they're in from the people that they're living with. Yeah. There are people who feel estranged. Mm -hmm. And so as Christians, our call is to look around and be able to discern you know, who among us needs to be invited in. Mm -hmm. If only with a word of kindness. And we got to be creative about that. Yeah. You know, I was sick and you looked and you looked after me. Mm. You know, there's only so much that we can do. We feel like sometimes there's only so much that we can we can do because we're not medical professionals. Well, with as many people that are sick and infirmed in this moment. We gotta be creative. They need us, mm -hmm. they need us. And the burden shouldn't be on just those who are trained Christians mm. to look after people. You might not be able to help them recuperate, but just looking in, sometimes that's just remembering. Sometimes that's a phone call. Yes. Mm. Wow. I was in prison and you came to visit me. <clears throat> Most of us weren't going to visit people in prison anyway, mm -mm. but we need to remember that they're there without judgment mm -hmm. because the word calls us to come and visit people in prison, not to judge their deeds. So whether that be writing a letter, accepting that phone call that you don't usually accept, or maybe taking a little bit out of your stores and putting money on somebody's books, we gotta think about it. Man, you preaching. You know, God called us. You preaching, bro. God called us. <clears throat> we can remember the baby in the manger, but I think what God calls us to more, because he never called us to do that. 
He never called us to put our baby Jesus in, you know, uh, on the mantle. He called us to this. He called us to remember this. To do this in remembrance of me. Wow. That puts a whole, for, for many people, that puts a whole new connotation about putting Christ back into Christmas. Mm. Because what what you're saying and what I'm hearing is that by putting Christ back in Christmas, what we're really doing is being like Christ mm. during this time. We, that's what we mean, like being example of who Christ is to others. Um, through our words, through our actions, through our giving, even through figuring out different ways in order to reach people. Yeah. And you know, when you think about Jesus, he actually did that. He reached people in different ways. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, he healed people in different ways. Some he would say a word, others he would touch, and others he would just say go somewhere. And as they were going, they were healed, you know. And in this moment, we have to do the same in reference to being Christ for people during this season. I, I love that. Um and I was just thinking, you know, we're talking about putting Christ back in Christmas. We're in this place where we're forced, in essence, to take out the mass part of Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. So we have focused so much on the mass part, the must part of Christmas. No. Yep. Gathering um, and just doing things and just having these traditions and not focus so much on the Christ part. And now mm-hmm. that the mass part is gone, it only makes sense that we, hey, maybe we need to get back to putting Christ first. Yeah. You know, put Christ first. I, I, yeah. Being that, that Matthew Christian, in a sense, you know, giving, looking out for those who are in prison, those are poor, those are hungry, you know, doing what we can do during this time. I think that's the real meaning, at least as far as putting Christ back in the real meaning of this season. Historically, when we think about the Advent season, um, or if you research the Advent season, um, no one really knows when it actually started. Some give some some lip service to the fourth century, but it was a, a dualism. There was a focus on the original manifestation of Christ in the flesh, mm-hmm. but also his coming back again. Mm. So what the early Christians did during that time, because they reflected on those two, those two great moments, what they recognized during this Advent season was a time for them to, to work on, actualize, as well as be a manifestation of Christ, who he would want them to be during the in-between moments mm. of him being here physically and him returning. So they would take time to just reflect, to reflect on what they can do to show Christ through themselves to others. And what you're saying is basically, we need to get back to that, that this is a time where, hold on, we now need to be like Christ because he's come, he has come in the flesh, he's coming again, and we need to represent him in the in-between. Mm-hmm. This is a great, this is a great time of the year a great moment, even though it's, you know, the pandemic, all the other things that have happened, this is a great time of the year to get back to that, to say, hold on, we're going to start this again. Yeah. Yeah. We want people to see Christ through us. Yeah. That's dope. I love that. That's dope. Yeah. We usually do. We focus on the mass. We focus on the mass in Christmas. We focus on the mass. We need to focus, focus on the one. We need to focus on Christ and what that means to, you know, be Jesus with skin on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'm digging it. So let me ask you a question. Are there any um are there any works? Are there any books, text, shows, music, um, anything that kind of speaks to us in this in this new moment that you can think? Because we got we got we got our Christmas tradition shows, right? We got our Christmas music that we always listen to this during this time. Like you mentioned, this Christmas. Ooh, that's the jam. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, around every year you know i loved um a christmas story the movie with uh ralphie and his bb gun like that's that's One of my favorites <laughs> oh just 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 you know we just got the stuffs 
Mm-hmm. I pull out my Take Six Christmas album and that very first Kirk Franklin album mm-hmm. and Fred Hammond's Christmas album. You know, I, whew, I dust off the CDs and find the CD player and we play those around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, given that we're in this different moment, um, are, there, are there particular texts that, um, that speak to us? They might be for, they might be something that help to provide teachable moments or just something that could be inspirational. Anything you got in mind? Yeah, so I'm going to share a new thing and then I'll go to some books, like a new right. uh, movie. And you may be familiar with this and it's, it's somewhat popular. It's kind of on Netflix right now. Oh, yeah. I would actually suggest that people watch Jingle Jangle. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> it's got some nuggets in it, man. Jingle yeah. Jangle's all right. It really does. I mean, I was actually shocked. I thought it would just be a, you know, a silly Christmas movie. I'll check it out because, you know, Felicia Rashad is in it. And, you know, right, I support, right. I support uh, Claire Huxtable. So, yeah. <laughs> in everything. On everything. Exactly. Whatever she's in, I'll watch. <laughs> That's mom. <laughs> but there's so many nuggets, especially as a father. Yeah. yeah. To watch that. Right. As a father. I mean, I was just so moved watching this this story about a father who you know he lost it all and kind of pushed his his daughter away mm-hmm. in the midst of that you know and kind of this this nice story i'm not gonna give it all away but this nice right, story right. of in a sense fatherhood in, in some ways you know yes christmas but also fatherhood also about kind of the feel goods of christmas as well this season yeah. Right? Yeah. um giving honor mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot so much in it um that that's good for a family it's so dope. I, yeah put i suggest if you have time to bring the family around and watch that all right about that so you took you took my netflix you took my netflix john that's all right though <laughs> <laughs> man i've been thinking i'm like man i gotta watch that again <laughs> all right so we got jingle jang on the list so i'm gonna i'm gonna grab for another netflix joint and this one's this one is this one is not in necessarily the holiday spirit but it, it helps us to kind of rethink uh, the place where we're spending most of our time now because since we're forced to be at home we're spending a lot of time online a lot more time on social media you know i've i've not been on social media for years and definitely not heavily just occasionally and i find myself more on social media now in the past few months than i've been in probably the last five six years combined and there's a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. Hmm. And it does a really interesting job of showing how social media networks, specifically their algorithms, build bubbles around us Hmm. that are not just addictive, but also shape the way we think in order to act in ideological silos so the algorithms themselves are built for us not to um, be exposed to information that'll have us thinking holistically about our experiences but push us to be more dogmatic and also more isolated in our thinking and i said a whole lot of words right there but the documentary itself is built in a way where kids can watch it and they can see other kids getting on social media and being filtered through the algorithms and how it affects their thinking. Wow. And it also shows how that interaction affects the family. I think it's a really good discussion piece. And I think it's a great reminder that, look, these worlds that we enter into when we're in online spaces, a lot of them are curated. They're curated and they're built for us and don't necessarily have our best interests at heart. Mm. You know, but one thing I love about Zoom is that when we go on Zoom, we create our own experience. Mm-hmm. We create our own um, enclave where we can, you know, talk and discuss. We don't have outside ideas popping in, you know, willy nilly all the time. Yeah. And so I think the social dilemma on Netflix is a, is a good learning experience just to help increase our media literacy in a time when we're more um, we're more affected by media each and every day. Wow, that's good. That is 
Man, you went there. Here, I'm talking about Jingle Jangle. You went. <laughs> no, dude, I was trying to talk about Jingle Jangle, but you took that from me, dog. So I had to go a different direction. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you put my Jingle Jangle away. <laughs> oh, man. I wanted to talk uh, about Jingle Jangle, but you know. That's good. That is so good. And there's, um, there's something I want to explore first before I suggest it. There's these, um, these stories that are on, but you have to have Amazon Prime, but I'm going to look through it first. But it's really, it's interesting that it will come out now, but these stories are really about stories of really black movements. Mm. Um, that, that obviously true stories. Um, but they're created not so much just to talk about the, the movements through history, but really to show um, how when we actualize the, the power we have mm. as a people, when we um, move in that power and not allow the forces that are around us to just continue to consume, like consumerism and other things mm-hmm. that you talk about, when we get to a place um, or when we have gotten to the place, I'm not saying when we, but when we have gotten to the place as a people to recognize the forces around us that's trying to keep us in the box and we pushed against that, that there have been moments and continue to be moments where we have been able to break out of that. Mm. Where we have been able to make significant changes in the society we live in. So I'm just sharing that as kind of a preview. Maybe in our next podcast, um, I'll go in more detail, give the name. I want to do more exploration of it first gotcha. before gotcha. I give the actual name. But I'm liking how I'm liking the presentation of it so far mm-hmm. from what I read. And what we'll do, what we'll do before we put this out is we'll we'll um, you know put the info into the um, show notes too. Yeah. So that we can make sure people have access to that. Definitely. So I right, I gotta go since we're talking about social movement. And I was talking about media literacy before. I'm gonna go to an old, to an old fave. All right, not an old fave, but uh, something that's considered a classic. That I know a lot of people haven't read in a while, and this might be something interesting for you to do with your kids. Um, again, I'm on my media literacy kick. So there's an older dystopian uh, book by George Orwell called 1984, and 1984 is a touchstone for. Um, a lot of people's thinking about the way media operates and the way governments operate, it's operating things, operating things, lighting things like that. You have a reading list for your children where you are allowing them to read what's considered to be classic literature. I would suggest that you take a look at George Orwell's 1984 because many of the things that we're experiencing communications-wise, media-wise, even when it comes to the way um, governments are organized, were discussed in the book 1984. It's a place where we get terms like doublespeak and big brother. You know, those came really came out of that novel. So if you have a chance, take a look at 1984 because it might settle some spirits in terms of, you know, why are things operating the way that they are? Mm. it's a book that was often assigned in schools so it's (laughs) approved reading but I also think that it speaks again to this moment of the way that we consume information how information and and the means of consuming information are built they don't they're not just happenstance they're built for a purpose that oftentimes exists outside of us Mm. so so but one other thing I would suggest um, is actually uh, it's literary and you may have or, or at least seen it. And it's called A Treasury of African-American Christmas Stories. Mm. And, and it is really a treasury <laughs> um, of African-American Christmas stories. And, and what it is, is collect, it's a collection of writings from activists, um, you know, people social justice activists, um, great thinkers, black thinkers historically. I mean, you're talking about um, Langston Hughes, um, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, Paul Robeson. I mean, and just other thinkers, other activists, other people that have been very influential 
uh, in the movement. And it really gives a good account about what Christmas, not only what Christmas was like for them, but also it is compiled, it's a compilation of uh, journals, articles, editorials um, that was written by African-Americans around Christmas during the times that they were dealing with. So, you, you, and we're talking about from reconstruction, um, you know, uh, all the way to, you know, early civil rights movement where people talked about what Christmas was like in those moments for them. And I say, and, and, and I'm suggesting this because we're in a different moment now. And just to consider and look back at what our people had to deal with and how they um, imagined Christmas for themselves and what it was like and how they spoke about it, I believe will be, is very helpful. So again, that's, it's called a treasury of African-American uh, Christmas stories. I think yeah, it would be beneficial. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, I'm getting that today because that's one I don't have. I love it. I love it. And the fact that it speaks to it speaks to previous it speaks to previous conditions and traditions. Yes. That's that's what that's what's beautiful about it. So I think to um, um, to kind of complete the cycle and the story. And this isn't <laughs> this isn't a um, it's not about Christmas, but in that continuum of um, social experience and social thought. You know, Mark Lamont Hill just came out with a new book. Um, and that brother, that brother can write and he can write fast. And I love his commentary and his insights on the world that we're currently in. And so he has this new book, um, We Still Here. Mm. It's called We Still Here. And let me drop the subtitle. I don't want to mess it up. Oh, I like that. He is a great writer and just thinker. Yes. Pandemic, policing, protest, and possibility. Mm. We still hear pandemic, policing, protest, and possibility. So it's probably one of the books that most, that answers some of the difficult or attempts to address some of the most difficult questions that we find ourselves in right here in this moment. I mean, it just came out not a month ago. Mm. And I would say we should put it on our, we should put it on our reading list if we have time, just because we have, again, this moment is unlike any other. And to have, you know, voices that can speak to the moment. You know, I'm working through the book now. So um, I don't want to go too much into it, but I think it'll be a worthy conversation starter um, to have. And again, I think one of the strengths of the book so far is that it does not shy away from some of the difficult things that we've been dealing with and the difficult questions and what it could mean. But at the same time, it also does a, a really good job of projecting for the future. You know, what answers can we have to the difficult questions that we can actually put in place now? And what does that mean for us? Oh, wow. I like that. Man, yeah, I have to check that one out. I didn't even know he dropped another book. That's excellent. Yep. Wow. Okay. That's on my reading list. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, man, you, you know, I talk to you, I get gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is always great, man. Oh, man, this is great. Man. We definitely, well, we're going to do it again. So we are. Yeah, we are. I like this. Um, it's, you know, thinking about, um, thinking about rethinking this whole holiday season, you know, what, what are some ways we can pray? How can we pray in this moment? What are some things mm -hmm. we can pray for or people we can pray for during this time? Mm. Um, I really, again, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I really had a heart for the estranged right now. Mm. You know, those people that are just, who don't have um, a comfortable place to go or a comfortable place to be, whether that be um, discomfort because of finances or, uh, you know, they're emotionally strained or because they're in an abusive situation. So just thinking about just thinking about them, you know, you know, and it's as and here's my little commentary. I think as as American Christians, we sometimes get so focused on constituencies. We we throw a lot of our values within the larger context of the group when we forget that Jesus was concerned about the one. 
Mm. Yeah, definitely. He left 99 sheep to go find one. Our care and concern for the one. And we so easily forget about the importance of the one because the one doesn't always fit into our conception of what the group is or what the group should be doing. Yeah. Wow. So I've really been thinking about them. And I've also been thinking about um, people outside of our context. You know, um, the country of Ethiopia has been on the brink of, of civil war in the past, um, in the past few weeks. And um, we say that we are on the brink of civil war in this country. We're, we're, we're not exactly. Things are bad, but it ain't, it ain't civil war yet. Yeah. Right. So even as we sit in our homes and we find ourselves in individual silos and somewhat insulated, as a country, our, our predicament has made us insulated from the concerns of the larger world. And so I don't want to turn a blind, blind eye to our brothers and sisters that are in other places that um, have to experience have to experience COVID and illness in a context much more um, much more fraught than the one we're in right now. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. I would only add um, to that what's been in my heart is um, is a bit insular in regards to the local family, the immediate family. Mm. <clears throat> because I think during this time period, what what's happened for many families, not all, but many families, is that this has been a time of such heartache and stress that it has um, impacted negatively uh, marriages, relationships with children, um, mm. stress has been added to families. So, you know, I, I really would like us during this moment to also just to lift up the family unit um, mm. time, you know, that, that we would be stronger, that, um, that we would not use this time as, or allow this time to cause more stress, but more togetherness mm. to allow us to see our strength instead of, you know, what we don't have or what we lack. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. All right. So you, you want us to lead us out? Well, no, nah, man, I think, I think we need to man a God to know <laughs> the park, brother. <laughs> I, I am submitting to your pastoral leadership on this one, bro. Oh, let us, let us look to the Lord. Yes, sir. Father, we come to you because you are God, and we're thankful that you've allowed us to be your children. We ask you in this moment that you would just move by your spirit in all these situations that we talked about today. Mm -hmm. Lord, mindful of those who are estranged, both socially, emotionally. Yes. And we add that your presence would just be so evident to them that there will be even a stronger connection to you in the midst of this difficulty, Lord. Mm -hmm. Lord, even though we speak a lot about families, we speak a lot about marriages and children, we recognize, Lord, there's those that um, maybe that are unmarried and don't have children that in some way connected with us in this moment. And it's our prayer, Lord, that even in this time where we have to be social distance, that we have to take precautions and, and gatherings and different things like that. And um, all the difficulties that come with this period, uh, this time period that we're living in, Lord, I pray that they would not feel lonely or recognize or not see themselves as alone, recognizing that you are there with them. Yeah. That this will be a, a great time of, of communion with you, a great time of being uh, built up in you a time of redirection and understanding for their lives that they will grow stronger, even mm. in the midst of a pandemic. Yes, but we're also mindful of those outside of our cultural context. While we think, Lord, that what we're dealing with is so harsh and so difficult, Lord, there's many different groups, many different societies right now that have it much harder, yeah. much more difficulties that are happening, Lord. 
Lord, we lift up Ethiopia and the, the beautiful people there, Lord, and we ask that your hand would be upon them, Lord, in the midst of all that they're dealing with um, on the brink of a civil war. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would move by your spirit, that your power would become evident to heal the land there. We, we lift up other countries, Lord, and other peoples that, um, that are going through so much due to being in a pandemic and um, injustice that is happening throughout the world, the unrest and economic issues, Lord, that's happening, horrible leadership that's in place. And, and Lord, even though it's so, it seems abysmal and the difficulties seem to be so great, Lord, we know that just by your touch, things could change. So we ask that you would just touch and heal uh, these different groups, these different lands uh, right now, Lord, that your power be evident, it will be present, and people would know that there is a Savior in the midst of it all because of your healing power flowing through. Mm. We're also mindful, Lord, of local of family unit, of the family unit, and um, we ask, Lord, that even though for many people this had been a difficult time, we ask, Lord, that you would renew families, that you would help families to be strong, especially in this time of uh, holiday season, that families would come together even more. Marriages would be strengthened even more. Um, children, relationship between parents and children would be strengthened. Lord, that families would come out better at the end of all this than they were before. Um, help us to take this time to learn more about each other. Help us to take this time to um, grow together. Help us to take this time to learn of you more and be the families that you desire for us to be. Now, God, as we enter into this moment in this holiday season, I ask that you would touch us all and that you would help us to recognize the real reason for all of this, the true meaning behind it all. That's because of your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to continue to rejoice because of you and help us to live every day um, exemplifying you through our giving, through how we show love, through our interactions. That this season, this time of the year, that we won't focus on what we get, but we'll focus on how we give. Yes. And that people recognize you through us because of the love that we show. So Lord, we thank you in this moment. Thank you for this opportunity to speak uh, and to talk about the things that are of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen.